Actually, uh, being a doctor, uh, since our schooling, uh, we are being taught by our teachers uh, that we are dealing with a live human being, which is not different than ourselves, our family members. So always think this patient is also a member of family as one of mine. Yeah, like uh, so th- that made me realize, you know, like, uh, of course, we do. We need to have some plan, strategy, how to live, how to make our yeah. life perfect. But sometimes, you know, situations come in such a way that uh, so that made me realize that we need to learn to live at the particular moment. Yeah. Like just, you know, f- fearing of the future and regretting of the past <laughs> just creates a pro- like uh, disturbance in our like mental peace. So... Being human, it's my first job. Wow. To us, humanity. Yeah. yeah. To us, this planet. That's your first job. Yeah. First That's job. your primary job. <laughs> if you, because I believe you are here on this planet for a particular reason, for a particular time. Yeah. It's fixed. Mm-hmm. We cannot change it. <laughs> so, staying here, why? Not do good. Yeah. You have to do. Yeah. Hey, you've just joined A Journey with Bernie. Greetings, my dear friends, and thank you so much for joining me and today's wonderful guest. My name is Bernie Kelly, and I'm your very enthusiastic show host. Why? Because I woke up this morning. I don't know about you, but I'm still breathing. I've been expressing my joy for life as a corporate leadership and team building coach for 30 years now. But I've also loved working in the schools, guiding students and our young ones, just to open up their eyes to see more, to do more, to be more. I'm an explorer who wants to take you and them to the summit of Kilimanjaro. Hey, how about the base of Mount Everest? or the intrigue of the Peruvian Machu Picchu, or that epic spiritual adventure across Northern Spain, the Camino. Yes, I'm a lover of nature and I am a consumer of life. And that's why this podcast exists. You see, it's a simple exploration of what you and I need to do to find greater love for self, to inspire our own sustainable inner happiness, and to discover greater meaning in our humble lives. Of course, I don't have the answers, but that's why each week you and I will explore the life purpose and the perspectives and paradigms of our wonderful podcast guests who will share with us their strategies, their thoughts, their actions that just might bring greater meaning to our lives. Hey, we're all on this journey, folks. So today, let's together put on our hat of curiosity and explore life's possibilities. And let's do it together on this episode of A Journey with Bernie. Well, yes, dear friends, welcome to another Journey with Bernie. This one is a very special episode. It's not often that I get the opportunity to interview and discuss love, happiness and meaning with two doctors. 
who during the spate of COVID played an enormous role in helping the people of Nepal cope with this dreaded disease. Just imagine it, folks. You know, sometimes we in Western civilizations think that we are privileged and that we can handle uh, so many of these precarious situations. If you think that, just imagine what therefore you might have thought was happening in some of the supposed developing countries. Recently, I had a magnificent experience here in a Nepalese hospital, not personally, but I was responsible for bringing a young lady from Everest Base Camp who unfortunately had a touch of pulmonary oedema. This is a flooding of the lungs. And approximately 20% of her lung capacity had some form of moisture in it. What was remarkable about the medical attention that she got was that it was so far superior to what my 83-year-old mother had received in a very well-known Brisbane private hospital. The difference was chalk and cheese. And the big difference was the nature of care, generosity, attention to detail, that this hospital in Nepal afforded my trekking participant. I was truly stunned by the quality of the medicine. Well, today I have one of those physicians who not only treated my trekking partner, but also was very prominent in looking after the people of Nepal, particularly those here in Kathmandu, during the pandemic. Dr. Manoj Yadav, it's an absolute delight to have you here. I can't imagine all the stories that you have, but maybe you could start. Why is your team so caring? (laughs) Your hospital is fantastic. Why is it so beautiful and so generous? What have you done to those people that you call your staff? First, thank you, Mr. Bernie, for this time, for this cast. <clears throat> Actually, uh, being a doctor, uh, since our schooling, uh, we are being taught by our teachers uh, that we're dealing with a live human being, which is not different than ourselves, our family members. So always think this patient is also a member of family, as one of mine. If you have this feeling, I am treating one of my family members. She's having pain or he's having pain or they're in problem. What would I have chosen for my parents, my sibling, my children, or my anyone? If we think that and we will go like that, applying our knowledge, skill, what we have been trained, That will make the difference, I think. Well, what's remarkable is that you don't only think that, but you actually acted that. (laughs) You must meet many of your beautiful Western peers, um, medicos from other countries. 
Can I ask you to identify, if it is possible, a difference that you feel that exists in in your hospital with your staff here in Nepal that you have noticed compared with um, Western medicines, Western doctors? Is that a fair question? Do you see a difference? And that's uh, a big question, I think, because uh, we have very differences. We have, in many ways, limited resources, uh, limited trainings, resources in the means of everything, and the physical, human skills, uh, our other levels also. But uh, main thing during my this uh, medical profession, I still think that's only one thing. If you are devoted, if you are true, honest, and you think what I have, my knowledge, my capacity, at that moment to decide decision-making capacity, if you apply truly, you just do what you have been taught or what your brain is saying medically it should be, you go that way, yeah. your books, recent resources, yeah. you just apply that and let's see. Yeah. See, I, I noticed that I, I had the pleasure of visiting your clinic <laughs> the other day to, to meet you, to have a cup of coffee, to discuss the possibilities of this podcast. And the one thing that I was stunned with when I walked into your office was the number of certificates <laughs> that were all around your wall. But what those certificates said to me was that your training is never done. It's never finished. It, it, it appeared to me that you have done so many courses subsequent to your initial studies, your initial becoming a doctor, and yet it's as if your learning has never finished. Is that your approach? Uh, I think uh, this, is for apply this applies for every doctor. Uh, I still remember my first day of medical schooling. Our professor, he was our principal also, his first line was, you have chosen one of the most fascinating, delighted, prestigious and hard profession. Till your last breath, you are a student, you will be learning. Wow. <laughs> wow. So being a doctor everywhere in this world, yeah. we are always learning. Every patient is our new textbook because never a disease presents typically as written in our books. Everything so easily, like uh, calculations of the mathematics, yeah. it's not so easy. Yeah. Some patients miss some symptoms. Some have additional. They're always gray zone, always confusing. It could be this, it could be this, it might be this, yeah. it might be that. Yeah. And in the mean way, we have to make the way out, making the patient comfortable. We have to come to the conclusion with the diagnosis and find treatment yeah. till the patient is fine. Yeah. 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 And that's the way. In this way, we are always a student, we mm. are always learning. We're always on that way till our last day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Does your love of learning then manifest itself in action 
does it make you aware of a more holistic approach? Forgive me for saying so. I had an experience with my beautiful mother in which she went to a hospital for a respiratory infection. And the drug or the antibiotic that looked after her for 10 days certainly worked. But unfortunately, the medical fraternity that looked after her seemed to be unaware that at the same time, that antibiotic was actually killing or diluting the good bacteria in her bowel. (laughs) Consequently, 10 days later, she has to re-enter the hospital, not with a chest infection, but with a bowel issue. And this continued then three times she had to return to the hospital to have the bowel issue um, attended to. It, It struck me then that the good doctors of that hospital were treating the incident in that moment, but without a broad awareness of the possibility. For example, my mother wasn't even given a suggestion as to what diet could actually enhance the good bacteria in her bowel. So it just got worse and worse for her. My question is, my question is this, This love of learning and dedication to making sure that you can serve the patient as if they were family, does it lead to a more holistic view of medicine rather than one that is just drug-focused? Yeah, this medicine is always a holistic approach because seeing only one thing, targeting treatment is not always right because there are symptoms common for many diseases many diseases and if we target only that forgetting everything uh, for example we can say in holistic for their financial status yeah for their family wow. status yeah if she is a mother having small baby if i'm going to admit her if she can be treated on OPD basis, okay, yeah. fine. I'll give you oral medicine. You can have that. Report me by the evening or tomorrow. How do you feel? <clears throat> Why should her children, small baby, should suffer? If I can make it easier, why should not I? Amazing. Or the family, others, financial burden. In our country, uh, many people also come from remote areas. Uh, we mainly live under low socioeconomic condition. That's why they, that's a big impact of uh, fear, transportation fear, yeah. other things. So we keep that things also in mind, mm-hmm. even during investigations. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, not a hundred percent. Uh, we can say uh, according to medical practice, but we must think, as I think, I, I feel, yeah. we must think, thinking not as a patient only, but her financial, his financial burden, how he or she is going to invest yeah. expenses. Yeah. And during that time, many people, we work and live, so during sick period, 
they are apart from their job yeah additional financial burden yeah so these all things come to an come in our mind while treating a patient yeah and that uh, what is the status how we can help for in many ways yeah. not being a doctor that's why it's really a holistic approach very i'm hearing this and being stunned by by even the thought that financial considerations would become part of your medical approach <laughs> and and of course i'm now thinking about what that looked like during covid the pandemic can you give us an, an an outline? What was the real COVID situation here in Nepal? At its peak, do you have any description as to what it was like? What was COVID like? How was it affecting the community? How rampant was the disease in, in, in Nepal at that time? Give us a picture of what was happening. I think... Uh it was a situation which we have never imagined, never, even a fiction movie. Yeah. Uh, it was like that, that um, now the world is going to be collapsed. Humanity is in, on the verge of collapse. Nothing is going to survive except few peoples. Uh, when we were hearing the news of Italy, Spain, uh, even New York, it was really heartbreaking. Till that moment, it was just arising here in our country. We were in preparation, get ready, um, building many hospitals and other setups. Suddenly, the surge came from hundreds to thousands cases per day in mm. this valley and gradually gradually there was <clears throat> maximum demand demand of oxygen that any patient who come to hospital was desaturating then we made international or even our national guideline criteria admission that uh, if they fulfill this 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 will admit Mm. That's, uh, the main one, oxygen saturation, below 93%, and apart from a few other things. 93% was a, a, a focus that was important for you? So all patients needed to be 93% and above? Was that a focus for you? Ideally, we think 95% or more. Okay. But at that time, if everyone needs oxygen in limited resources... Mm. Okay, below 93, come to the hospital. Above 93, you can stay, yeah. continuously monitor, and then report immediately. If I it see. falls down, mm. we'll take care. Mm. There were many um, agencies that were working free ambulance. Government was working everywhere. Mm. You go to nearby or leveled hospitals, they will take care of you. Then the case started. Every day in our hospital... Every day, we were enlarging our capacity. <laughs> Every day, we were adding 30, 50 beds. 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 Yeah. We keep temporary tents. 
Keep the bed, oxygen cylinder, put the patient. Where did you we keep, keep the tents? I saw the hospital. There's no ground the, to keep the tents. Yes, oh, we, we have a larger ground. <gasps> Even parking areas, other areas. Where we found any space, we just keep the tent, start putting beds, yeah. oxygen cylinder, few staffs deputed for that. Keeping patients, patients, okay, fine. Okay, this might be enough for today or tomorrow. We think that. That's still 10 beds back end, fine. That's good enough. In the morning when we come, it's already full. Still, we need 30 beds. There are more patients waiting in the emergency. Then we started giving oxygen. Ideally, it is practiced. That's one port, one patient. Then we locally invented. That's a one nasal cannula. Then we bifurcated in two. Wow. Started giving like that. We do not have any beds at that time. That's why we keep patient even in mat on on the floor. Yeah. Someone on who can sit fine. Okay. Stay on chair. So so what I'm hearing there is is that there were times just to maintain life. Yes. You would have to divide the oxygen cylinder or the oxygen available usually for one person and you would give them a portion and then give another portion to the next patient just to sustain life. Life, yeah. Yeah, not to save it, but just to just to sustain it to give you the opportunity later on maybe to, 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 to say, manage to manage the, yeah just mm. to we can say by time so that in the meantime two hours three hours we can arrange another thing yeah yeah and we are doing many times like that yeah. even during the peak days, the story i told you early 3am i got a call that we are running out of oxygen it will be hardly for 20 minutes and at that moment we had 150 to 200 patients admitted with oxygen in our hospital. Others, more than 400 that were out of oxygen, they were stable. We were not thinking that much about them. When I heard that, it was really hard. What next? Within 20, 30 minutes, can we manage or not? At that moment, we don't have oxygen plant also. And then by many efforts and uh, small ideas, we made it, by the grace of God, <laughs> I can say, we made it possible till 5 a.m. We can manage a few cylinders of oxygen. We can again buy two hours. And that two hours made us extend. Yeah, yeah. At its peak, what were your work weeks like? How many days a week? I assume you were working seven days. There was no days. There was no hours. Yeah. There was nothing. <laughs> it was just... It was just, yeah. If, if, if you, you can always, be awake, you, you were on always, duty. Yeah, you are always on duty. Yeah. Nothing else. Wow. Nothing else. Yeah. Wow. Surely, if we come back to something that you beautifully said at the start of this podcast, where you spoke about... When you were taught medicine and what you bought into was that every patient is a member of your family. But surely at this time, stress, strain, fatigue, 
being pulled this way and being pulled that way, surely that tested, did that test the ethos of your medical approach or did it in fact give you an opportunity to live it more? I think solving humanity, making someone smile, happy, comfortable, that is of great value and it cannot be compared with any means. But you're tired, you're stressed, you're strained, people are demanding of you. I remember one of my seniors told one day, I was a very junior doctor, just passed out from medical school. I was in duty, I see you duty at that time, on duty doctor. Uh, whole night, I could not have a sleep for a minute or so. Um, in the morning he came, okay, fine, come with me, have a coffee, when my duty hours were off, we were talking. I said, I'm tired, I want to go to sleep. I said, okay, fine, you can go. One day will come, this everything, this tiredness, monetary value, anything doesn't mean to you if someone you worked hard get discharged either older one that's the age of our mothers grandmothers fathers grandfathers comes bow to you say thank you mm. you made me this mm. and that word you cannot buy with any means of money any property and that cannot be compared with any means and that will give you energy which will combat your tiredness on everything and at that time I laughed is it so but really I feel that yeah. nowadays yeah. because I have seen many people yeah. many small kids yeah. many one older and uh, our same age groups when they feel so they say few words yeah. of blessings thanks, anything. Yeah. That's a great thing, which gives like uh, energy or um, anything. Yeah. At that moment also, during our COVID surge, I used to come to, even not in my duty, uh, I regularly come, used to come there in emergency. It was full, uh, beyond our capacity, not full, or flooding, actually. Patients, they see like, you have a power or you have something else which can save them. But I know what I am. I am more than them only in one means that I have some medical knowledge, yeah. some medical skill. Yeah. Nothing apart from this, I am different than them. He, he, I'm listening. But, Where you go, please finish. Yeah. Uh, the way they look and they ask for help, it was around 9, 9.30 regularly when I entered there. And then I have to go to my home. I used to take bath, uh, some puja, and then my dinner with my family and then sleep till next phone ring comes. <laughs> <laughs> but at that moment, I forgot everything that I'm hungry. I'm tired of whole day. And I used to uh, do anything, uh, putting oxygen, giving instructions, checking cardiacs, 
even not in duty. Mm. So I can help my team, my hospital, or mm. save if my one hour mm. save one life mm. or make comfortable few people. Mm. Why should not I? Yeah, yeah. And that thing that give us as a doctor that give us. I can say what a power, energy, something. <laughs> I can't say that word, but there is something which compels us always to do good. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I have a feeling that the degree to which you feel that precious opportunity to serve people may, to a large extent, belong to you. Um. I'd love to think of so many in the service professions, teaching, nursing, doctor, and all the other professions had exactly the same perspective as what you've just described. I hear you saying that you see everybody potentially as your brother and sister that they, they with you are just part of the one humanity. But the difference is that I actually saw you live that. <laughs> I saw you do that in the way that you treated my patient. I've met with you a number of times. I see it in your, your face, in, in, your, in your spirit. Do you think it's possible for human beings to actually develop that true paradigm, that true picture in which they really see every other human being as their brother and their sister. Do you think that's possible? Yeah. Yes. How do you become it? How do you, how do you arrive at that state? I cannot explain that, how to reach there, how to feel like that. But I feel like that and many people feel like that because uh, everyone we have felt, I think, anywhere, when you were in trouble, when you were on road, you got an accident. There are few peoples. Peoples are passerby, but few come to you, help you, take yeah. you to the hospital. Yeah. Because they also feel yeah. you are like me or you are like my family member. Yeah. You might be like my brother, yeah. my father, my yeah. sister, my, yeah. my sibling yeah. or my children. Mm. That's why they help. Mm. That's the feeling one human is connected to another one. Yeah. And still, we have that connection. It's a variation, personal variation in everything, every human. Mm. We do have like our fingerprint, our genetic combination, anything. Mm. That's, we have differences. Mm. In the mean way, this feeling must be also slightly, there is variation. That someone has intense feeling or someone has less feeling. Someone act, someone does not. Or it someone is growing <laughs> towards might, it, might, might you know, be. and becoming it. Yeah, but it's... It, it, it's fascinating to meet someone, and I'm hoping that our listeners can truly hear it, not only through your stories, but in the tone of your voice, in the, in, in, in the pace of your voice, in the space of your voice. They can hear your, your, your thought, your care, your, your, your softness. And the softness does not mean that you're not effective. In fact, 
I would suggest that it actually makes you, in a way, even more powerful. We have to head towards wrapping up this podcast. And I think this last question is really pertinent. The way that you approach humanity through your profession, I assume also transfers over to the way that you conduct your whole life. (laughs) Um, What does it feel like to live your whole life seeing everybody as part of the one human family? What does it feel like to enjoy serving and adding value? What does it feel like to receive those wonderful thank yous and appreciations that you receive not only from your patients, but I'm also assuming at times maybe even from family members because it transfers across into all dimensions of life. What does it feel like to becoming love? As a doctor, I think, being a doctor, it could be bystander, this profession is directly touching every person. Yeah. Their pain, their discomfort, directly we are uh, you can use healing or making them comfortable because we are not the cure or not the ultimate one. It's a power that's almighty because we make them slightly smiling, make them less painful, make them uh, in a, put them in a comfort zone. Yeah. Doing this us, you can say solving humanity is almost equal, I think, because I'm making anyone happy. Yeah. And doing this, it makes me, it gives me immense pleasure. Yeah. So I'm enjoying my profession. <laughs> this gives me happiness. Yeah. And this gives my patients happiness, yeah. my service, my knowledge, my yeah. skill. Yeah. And that's a great thing. It can be connected. And by another means, there are impact, uh, greater impact than being a doctor in another profession, like being a teacher. Yeah. You are connected at a time with thousands of students. As a politician, yeah. greater impact. Yeah. But in our profession, the impact is targeted. But the feel is greater. Yeah. And that's personal to personal. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And this gives the, that uh, happiness or you told that words which come from patients after being treated. That's a great thing. Mm. And mm. Uh, that gives us continuous or fueling us or uh, making us so energized or recharged yeah. or whatever word you can say. That uh, we can keep doing doing it good things, yeah, and uh, serve the humanity, yeah. Um, because uh, being human, it's my first job. Wow! To us, humanity, yeah, yeah. to us, this planet. That's your first job. Yeah, 
That's your primary job. <laughs> if you, because I believe you are here on this planet for a particular reason, for a particular time. Yeah. It's fixed. Mm-hmm. We cannot change it. <laughs> so, staying here, why not do good? Yeah. You have to do. Yeah. At least you cannot do, don't do bad. Yeah. Stay till you are allowed here. Mm-hmm. But stay happily. Enjoy your work, mm-hmm. serving the humanity, serving the nature, mm-hmm. planet. Mm-hmm. That will be a great thing. Dr. Minoj, there are a couple of thousand plus people listening to this podcast. So the statistics tell us. And I can hear them all now asking for this one last question, but you can only answer it in one sentence. <laughs> one sentence answer. And they're asking, Dr. Minoj, if you could give one piece of advice on how to become a more loving human being, what would it be? See happiness and smiling on others' faces. Add on if you can. Yeah. And that makes you everything. It's almost as if the happiness you give to others yes. then becomes come your back. own reward sure. and create happiness for you. you. What an absolute delight it has been to serve this podcast with you and to hear your perspective of how love can be an extension of our work, albeit through the medical profession, the service professions. I thank you ever so much for your time. And I'm so appreciative of the way that you've enlightened us this morning on this episode of A Journey with Bernie. Dr. Manoj, thank you ever so much. Thank you. Thank you very much. (laughs) Thank you very much for inviting me. Thank you. And just a reminder, dear people, if you are fascinated by these episodes coming to you from Nepal, that's because I'm dedicated to introducing as many people as possible to the powerful forces of nature that exist in this humble, peaceful, quiet, calm country called Nepal. I'm aware that it's got a a neighbour called Bhutan as well that uh, might approach the the ambience uh, of the country. Do come with us. Do consider April the 2nd next year, we're trekking to Everest Base Camp. If you've already done it, I bet you've not seen the beauty of the Gokyo Lakes and Sholar Pass. If you truly adventurous, then April the 2nd next year, we're also attacking Mera Peak. Now, I mention this to you because this is available to you, this experience with nature. Uh, it's all in your laps. All you've got to do is call me on 0412-982-444. If you're ringing from overseas, that's a plus 61. 412 And I've got to mention that invitation because you're now about to meet, again, a reflection of this country. We're talking about Dr. Trang, T-H-O-R-A-N-G. Now, what's fascinating by Dr. Trang is that Dr. Manoj, who you just heard from, is actually his senior physician. 
But this young doctor who has been in the profession for five years, you should have seen the way, folks, he looked after our trekking patient, remembering that one of my dear participants had a dose of pulmonary oedema, a little flooding of the lungs. But the nurture and the care that she received over her three or four days in the ERA International Hospital of Nepal was absolutely first class. And it was due in part to the terrific generosity of spirit of this young medico, Dr. Tarang. You are so welcome to this journey with Bernie. Uh, thank you, uh, uh, Bernie, for this wonderful opportunity. Uh, and uh, I consider like patients not as just a body or like uh, patients as some only just a physical illness or anything else. I consider like how beautiful our body is and it consists of, you know, like our physical body, our mental health, our spiritual and various aspects. So to look all those aspects and to find out like, you know, uh, what the patients is concerned about or is worrying about uh, is like my priority and I try to be as uh, you know holistic I try to do as holistic approach in my care to uh, find out like what problems the patient is having despite physical problems so for the problems of lungs and all that uh, the dexamethas one other medications could help but you know sometimes the patient since patient might have has been coming to the next country she might be feeling loneliness maybe she might be miss here she might be missing the homes so at that moment to be as a team and to involve her uh, him or her in the treatment plan so i think that helps you know to build a relationship with the patients and i think they feel good and they recover earlier you know then just if we uh, give medications and don't care about the other aspects of our you know life or the health then uh, i think uh, that would be a good one yeah i i hope my next statement creates a lot of controversy because I'm about to say this. Okay. There are many Western patients. What's the word Western mean? There are many patients from the country that I come from. Let's say, let's stick it to Australia, okay? And they would be, they would be overjoyed to hear of a doctor who unsolicited by me, who spontaneously says that your job is not only the treatment of the physical ailment, but it's consideration of the whole person, mentally, spiritually. Forgive me for saying so. Dr. Minoj even said financially. He didn't actually say this, but I can only imagine the number of patients that you looked after during COVID time who had no financial capacity to pay for your services. Mm. But I feel confident that your approach would have treated them as equally as someone who had the capacity to pay. Forgive me for saying so, Dr. Tarang, but there are many Western patients listening to this and they should be saying, I think I can hear their voices now, wow, if that was the approach that they would have in some of the Australian hospitals and the Australian medical approach. And I'm looking forward to some backlash about that because that's the statement, that's my experience. Wonderful to hear that 
is your approach such a holistic, such a broad approach? Mm-hmm. It speaks to me that part of your objective when you meet a patient is to develop relationship with them first. Is that part of your approach? And how do you go about doing that? Okay, so, uh, yeah, so, you know, uh, as I told, like, uh, to make patient uh, feel that we are safe doctor and to trust us, like to have a relationship is very important, right? So uh, to make a relationship, I think like uh, to build a proper rapport with the patient is very important. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like there are various ways of handling the patients. One thing we can do is like we just focus on our like knowledge and we impose that management to the patients. But another thing is like a patient center care where we can uh, like involve the patient equally in deciding like the best treatment like what to get can you say that again please yeah. say that one more time <laughs> you said involving the patient yeah in helping you decide yeah what is the best care yeah so so yeah yeah it's yeah it 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 means like you know sometimes what happens is as a uh, we might uh, say like uh, you need to do this 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 various test but then patient will say like doctor is it really needed yeah. right so why it is done and sometimes like if we find clinically that the patient may not be need may not need this test to be done however let's do for like you know like just to see what about the problems in that day if, if patients say like doctor ah, like how about like if we can't do or like then in that uh, moment we can see like what he's actually concerns and why he doesn't want to do and considering his opinion and then we go with the like best way mm-hmm. yeah so another thing is like uh, to uh, talk about the real building relationship I think uh, communications is very important yeah and uh, like I think a patient uh, get close to those doctors like who are good listeners and who are empathetic like who like think you know being in their shoes so uh, like in my personal I personally how I you know deal with my patient is like I try to be as empathetic as themselves I try to see like you know how I would feel like if I were in their positions. Mm-hmm. So in, from that angle, when I see, then like I feel like I need to do my best. Yeah. You know, I need to be compassionate regarding my care. And like, and we do. And, and when I do this, then patients feel comfortable enough to open up. They share their, you know, like average problems. And that gives us like broad ideas about the conditions, not only the physical problems, but also like, as I told, like every other aspects, like might be stressed or might yeah. be, you know, the, so mentally like stressed or anxiety sometimes like, you know, missing the places. So, yeah, yeah all those they'll express and, and then we will work on like how we can, you know, yeah. like yeah. understand their concerns and acknowledge yeah. it. I'm, 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 I'm also hearing that in this patient-centered approach, that's what you called it before, but you are also trusting that there is some diagnosis capacity that the patient, him or herself, has 
to self-diagnose. You're not treating them as if they are ignorant. You're almost saying, I'm prepared to trust your instinct. I'm prepared to trust your, your spirit, your perspective. Please let us approach this together with but still with due respect for the learning and the studies that you have done, I'm sure if you knew that a patient was trying to protect themselves or was fearful that you would some way work your solution mm-hmm. into, into their medical issue. But that trust of their instinct is really interesting for me. Is that something that you're aware of? Is that something that you're really willing to consider is important in the diagnosis? Yeah, it's it's really, you know, uh, uh, very important thing that you brought here in the conversation. Uh, Basically, you know, sometimes uh, we know like about our condition of our body. For example, like uh, like I may have you know better better understanding about my health and body because when we come uh, when we see the patients, we have like first like encountered just first time. However, he has been with himself for so long time. So, you know, like then we try to explore, we try to ask like, do you have any ideas? Like why you are having this? Okay, then like that might help us to find the, you know, trigger, triggering factors. Wow. For example, uh, you know, like suppose a patient is a develop some kind of long problems while they are in the high altitude. And then if I ask, like, do you have any idea why you are feeling in this way? And then yeah. if the patient says, yeah, doctor, you know, I had previous problems like pneumonia yeah. or any like asthma, yeah. like I'm allergic to cold. So, you know, that is help to go come more, you know. So he might tell her, and I believe that I'm having this problem because of the previous problems I had. So yeah. this has helped to, you know, come into diagnosis or conclude into diagnosis. Yeah. So it's really important. Like I believe in patient instinct because yeah. they have, you know, better understanding about themselves. Yeah. However, we try to explore everything and uh, we correlate with the knowledge and the scientific knowledge we have mm. in background, back of our mind. Yeah. However, you know, like, it's very important to like ask, uh, do you, is he or she have any ideas why they are having this yeah, problem? Yeah, so, I, oh, I, yeah. Oh, I, I fully understand that. But I just want you to know that, that again, listeners to this podcast, I think many of them would be overjoyed to hear of this approach and be wishing that that was more their experience when they visit doctors when they visit hospitals. And please forgive me because we all know there are some superb doctors and some superb nursing that occurs in our our Western hospitals. But the approach that you're talking about is beautiful and makes perfect sense, makes perfect sense. And not only for the medical profession, I'm going to tell a funny story here that seems unrelated at first, but I like my sport, and I'm unashamedly an enormous fan of the Brisbane Lions football team. And the players speak so beautifully about their coach. Uh The coach is Chris Fagan. He's in his 60s, his early 60s, I think. He might be 64, 65. Forgive me, Chris, if I've erred there by a year or two. 
<laughs> but when the players talk about what is the secret of Chris Fagan and the way that he gets the best out of the players to perform on a football field, he simply says it starts with relationships. Mm-hmm. And they almost talk of him as if he's far more than a football coach. In some cases, I'm sure he's almost a fatherly figure to a few of the boys, uh, the younger boys in the football team. Mm-hmm. Again, in order to get the best out of people, again I hear in this high-level elite football sense, relationship is key. And here, in order to get the best out of a medical situation, you were saying relationship is very, very important. Yeah. Yeah, very important. Um, how did you – what was your experience during the pandemic? Like, I, I, we spoke with Dr. Minogue before. We got a picture of how chaotic it was. Mm-hmm. But could you speak of your own personal experience? Because you must have been working beside Dr. Minogue. You must have been in that hospital or other hospitals at a time where it was just chaotic. Mm-hmm. What was your experience during the pandemic? Okay, so, uh, yeah, like... Uh pandemic it was really terrible horrible <laughs> yeah you know uh, in nepal uh, during the second wave i was there in the hospital quarantine working and it was a uh, very very difficult hard you know like it was very uh, hectic and the situation was very hard like people were not you know able to get even their basic care like the supply of oxygen it was very limited you know, we need to, uh, like, uh, distribute the amount of oxygen just to, you know, make them survive, not to, like, wow. not to wow. care. So, uh, and beside that, there were no hospital, like, beds available. The ICUs were very, everywhere it was packed. And, like, people were, like, you know, like, uh, laying everywhere. It was very horrible to see. Yeah. And in the midst of that... And, uh, like, I'm very happy, you know, I became part of it to, like, be in that those situations and to come up to this uh, moment. So, uh, in my hospi- uh, hospital, like, I had, during the second wave, I was the single, like, medical officer at the moment. Wow. Uh, later on, like I said, like, I, I'm having quite hectic, so I think I need, we need to add some manpower. At that moment, I was singer as a junior doctor, as a medical officer. Uh, there was con- consultant above me. But then, like, for me, at that moment, like, uh, I ha- saw around, uh, like, 200 and more, like, foreigners, like at some ha- like many of them had covid uh, some of them had like mountain sickness and all that so in every uh, all those situations like uh, despite the difficulties and everything uh, like i uh, we our hospital team tried our best to uh, handle and deal those uh, problems uh, and it was like uh, you know i still remember uh, like some patients uh, who were like very much happy with the care we provided. They were happy? Yeah, yeah. they were happy like uh, because they were also seeing the situations yeah. of the hospitals, of the like, you know, like all the things that goings around. And uh, uh, despite that, we were like 
I'm like always focused on the best care of the patients and uh, so yeah like it was horrible but uh, uh, just like uh, we had one uh, like unfortunately one patient we couldn't uh, make survive of one patient are you However, saying you lost yeah, one patient one patient yeah out, uh, out of all those patients yeah over time over time you only saw the loss of one patient? one patient also that is also because of uh, insufficient oxygen at that time yeah yeah so yeah. so it was like uh, like at the moment what i felt is you know life is like you know sometimes we plan things we try we think of you know we will do this that this However, at that moment made me realize that you know, life is very uncertain and like sometimes wow. things doesn't go as we plan yeah. and we make, you know, uh, like uh, we plan. But yeah, so it you're, was... You're sounding a little bit Buddhist <laughs> because part of the Buddhist philosophy, please correct me if I'm wrong, <laughs> is understanding our impermanence. There is no guarantee of tomorrow. Um, there is no guarantee that you and I will wake up tomorrow morning and breathe. <laughs> um, um, everything is impermanent. But you saw that and understood that yeah. during the COVID time. Yeah, I realised it during that moment. Yeah. And you developed an appreciation of living life in the now? It, 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 was that part of your response yeah, like uh, so th- that made me realize, you know, like uh, of course we do. We need to have some plan, strategy, how to live, how to make our yeah. life perfect. But sometimes, you know, situations come in such a way that uh, so that made me realize that we need to learn to live at the particular moment. Yeah, like just you know, f- fearing of the future and regretting of the past <laughs> just creates a pro- like uh, disturbance in our like mental peace. So. Uh, like to see, to be content with the things that we have and to, you know, live in the moment is like what I felt at those, you know, worse, I mean, like very disastrous scenarios of pandemic. So, yeah. I think that is gold. <laughs> I, I, for me personally to hear that, I think that is gold. What you are saying is appreciate the moments Moment. because yeah. tomorrow is not a guarantee. Yeah. Um, maximise what is today. today. Yeah. It's okay to plan for tomorrow and the future. However, don't be attached to it Yeah, because... Things can happen along the way yeah. that could interrupt or intervene with those plans. I yeah. mean that 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 message of yours and the example there is just very you know very very precious. <laughs> Did I hear before that you were a junior doctor during the pandemic, and you were looking after at some stage up to two hundred patients by yourself without other medical help you may have had staffing help and nursing help Mm -hmm. but you were one doctor at times looking after 200 patients yeah that's like uh what we do is once the patients come to our hospital to the emergency department we first approach the patients and we like take every details of the condition 
regarding the condition of the patients and we send investigations to make like correlate with the problems and then we give our like care or the primary care and if we felt like uh, like we this is beyond my limitations or beyond my uh, care then i call my seniors i consult with my seniors and whenever i feel doubt so at the moment like i was the one and like i used to work every day you know like i used yeah. to go to the hospital every day i felt like at that moment like maybe i am like you know my i'm like hampering my personal life i am being involved in my professional life however you know uh, today i realized that no like that was actually something important that yeah. you know that is one uh, being a doctor to work with the patients to share their sufferings so i was one and like i used to been very i used to work like every day like around 30 days a month it's yeah. like every day yeah. it was very hectic uh, how many hours a day were you working uh, at the moment i used to work around 9 to 10 hours yeah as a, like in the hospital yeah however like um i like i used to go back to my room and i used to be in on call on so call. whenever the patients come then like i need to come Yeah. So yeah, in that way it was quite uh, hectic but then I feel like quite you know satisfied with yeah <laughs> with yeah. it today. Can I ask you what else did you learn about life? What else did you learn about yourself? What what did you learn that you think you will never let go of? It'll become a part of you forever and a day through this unique um unusual pandemic experience what did you learn about you um so the th- uh, i was like uh, what i felt is uh, at the moment i said like i realized the importance of uh, the breath because you know like people were dying because of not having like enough oxygen oxygen <laughs> so the importance of like breathe oxygens and also uh, to sometimes like that at the moment i was feeling a bit exhausted yeah. you know, when i was all the time involved in yeah. my work so what i learned is like to care our body and to give a uh, you know to understand the like uh, importance of our body and uh, like how great it is how awesome it is so i learned about like you know importance of life and uh, like how to uh, live at the moment and uh, and like you know and to be you know as i told you like i have lots of plan in my life i will make my life like this i will do this that but then sometimes situations come in such a way that you know yeah uh, we might uh, like leave those things and we'll we need to go with the flow yeah so yeah, yeah like these are i think like to live at the moment and to uh, like be satisfied and content with whatever the situations yeah, is thrown yeah, in front of yeah. us that is i think what i learned and yeah. and yes so i think like that like uh, these things uh, will help me to remain like yeah uh, happy i think yeah sure despite sure, sure. all other things yeah. yeah yeah because you're what i'm hearing from you is a greater appreciation of maximizing today Mm-hmm. how can you wake up 
and and make today this moment more fully alive um, uh, than you otherwise would have because we can waste so much energy uh, planning ahead, being committed to what's going ahead, or even dreaming of the past as well. You know, how yeah. many people have you met allow the past to interfere with the way they approach their, uh, you know, the way they approach their life today? Yeah. You, you, Dr. Terang, you, you've spoken twice now about the miracle of the of the body. Let's just pretend we have a lot of listeners to this podcast who conceptually they understand what you are saying, that the body is a great gift. But are you able to give us a couple of unusual, incredible facts about the human body in which each and every one of us listening to this podcast could go, oh, wow, I didn't know that about the, about the body. May I give you an example so that we're on the same wavelength here? I'm aware that if I was to take all the capillaries uh-huh. and all the arteries and uh-huh. the veins out of your body uh-huh. and tie them up end to end, just out of your body, they would go around the earth twice. Yeah. Just your body. And like I find that absolutely a remarkable fact. Mm-hmm. Could you tease us with some remarkable things about the human body so that we too go, wow, what a machine. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, as you like told, like if we join the capillaries, like how long it could be and that's inside <laughs> our body. So, uh, yeah, like when I see the like human bodies when I see my patients and when during my medical educations when I see uh, like uh, dead bodies they're like dissecting them autopsies and all that Uh, and also based on my like knowledge what I felt like how greatly our body is designed you know like I think it is very perfectly designed by some intelligent designer I don't know wow that's a big statement yeah Yeah. so the the feel is like you know uh, even if there is very slight changes in the gene level in the genetic genetic level which we can't perceive with our eyes it can lead to you know sometimes a cancer yeah this could be a life taking so look even in a slight change in the like codes, some codes in our genetic level can lead to like alterations in everywhere. So yeah. like, it is very perfectly and finely designed, I believe. Yeah. And also like, uh, you know, like uh, I, what I f- used to feel is like uh, we have got, we have received this gift of life in this earth. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, I use, I, whenever you know, patients comes to me, like who is like have habit of smoking, drinking alcohols, and that has led to some effects in their body. And when I had to counsel about, about the seasons of those lifestyles, then what I ex- uh, give example is like, you know, like I just now you saw, like I came with a bike, in the bike, what I do is like I try to put the purest form of petrol. Like <laughs> if it is if if I put the petrol mixed with the water, then like I don't want it to put into my bike. Yeah. Even regarding those things, like which is on like just the materials, we try to put some things you know which is yeah. fine, pure. Yeah. And, like our body, I believe that you know our body is like 
it's like the best gift that the god has given or like you know and so to kill you know to take some things that hampers our body i think that's like you know i think people should not do that uh, however sometimes uh, like because of our habit or something yeah. uh, people do it but uh, what i felt is like uh, once we suffer from any problems then we understand about the importance of you know when they're like at the moment in this air there are lots of oxygens we don't appreciate the presence of oxygens right yeah. but when at the time of covid when patient was not getting oxygen yeah. then that 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 time was the realization of you know importance of of oxygen, oxygen. Yeah. similarly when we fall into like illness or sickness then we realize the importance of our health and our body yeah so like i think our body is very like absolutely designed and just imagine like if we had you know like eyes yeah. i know there are lots of people who like who don't have eyes still they are like enjoying their life yeah. however like just imagine if we had no eyes and like we need to walk like yeah that would be very hard yeah so yeah i think like our bodies like yeah. <laughs> great but what's remarkable for me is you mentioned the word god in there <laughs> <laughs> you you made a reference about a minute prior to that to <laughs> to you know something greater than ourselves yet you're a physician you 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 deal with the physical body even though you've said right from the start that your approach also considers the emotion the environment the the spiritual um the mental um aspects of the patient yeah. and now you are saying that in your perspective there is also room for the consideration that the body has been inspired by something greater than self <laughs> yeah? yeah yeah i mean that's a you know th- that must affect therefore and and make understandable your approach to the patient it it's not just a physical issue yeah. it it's you're dealing with something far greater than that and something that also has its own capacity to correct itself to add value to your knowledge mm-hmm. yeah 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 yeah, yeah. um uh, dr mm-hmm. terang you know the real value of this podcast this discussion here it it's it's 1 plus 1 equals 3 <laughs> it's the combination of what we heard from dr manoj plus the combination of you is a reinforcement of some incredible values and perspectives that not only should belong in my belief to your medical profession thankfully you include this holistic approach this medicine by not only addressing the physical ailment but also the spirituality and the mental condition and and as dr manoj said even the financial aspect <laughs> of the patient the total environment of the of the patient you spoke about the importance of relationship as a medicine um previously it's hearing that from two different sources you know is a real message to those that are listening and we should not hear that as something that just belongs to 
you and the medical profession here in Nepal, it's actually a way of life. Mm-hmm. It's, it's an approach to all people. And I'm sure that many of our listeners have understood that as they've listened to your senior physician mm-hmm. and now to this wonderful young man, Dr. Tarang, five years into medicine, a survivor of COVID, um, not only a survivor, a thriver, um, used to look after hundreds of patients by himself as a single-year medico. Like, wow, it's been such a pleasure to meet you, Dr. Tarang. Thank you ever so much for looking after my trekker uh, the other day who needed your help but you looked after her, as did your staff, in the most beautiful of ways. Thank you for being part of this journey with Bernie. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Terrain. So appreciative. So Thank you. No. Goodbye for now. Yeah, goodbye. Bye. Well, I do hope you enjoyed today's episode of A Journey with Bernie. Folks, I loved it. Contact and connection details of today's podcast guest and any references to resource materials, books or educational sources, they can all be found in the podcast notes. Do go there, folks. And also be aware that our guests would welcome hearing from you. Now, for those of you who have previously rung me about joining our forthcoming adventures to Nepal and those glorious Himalayan trekking trails, either this October or in April of 2023, it's great to to have you on board. I am so thrilled. Can you imagine it? You and I walking to Everest Base Camp together or summiting Nepal's highest trekkable peak, Mount Mera, at 6,400 metres or just absorbing the beautiful Gokyo Lakes. It's all available to you, folks. Just give me a call on plus 61 412-982-444. It would be great to walk in that environment with you. Hey, dear people, thank you for joining us. Embrace the journey, hey? Just love the journey of life. And just remember... <laughs>